What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talkin Audio Podcast. We are on social media at Talkin Audio. Give us a follow there. We'd love to hear what you guys think about uh, everything we're talking about here, and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. My name is Matt Robinson, and uh, happy to be alongside today, our buddy Steve Bundo. What's happening, man? Oh, Matty, I'm good. I'm good. What's going on with you? How you doing? You know how it's been, man. I've kind of been posted up here, you know, out of Dodge for a little bit, but uh, that's coming to an end. Uh, this is the last show from the, uh, TCA satellite studio for now, uh, <laughs> got to head back to the city here in the next day or two. So, Damn but other than that, man, I know, cause now it's 30 degrees and you know, you want to be here, but, uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Right. Real life's calling. So. Oh, it's true. But you know what? Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> Enjoy the lake, uh, crack open another one and just jump in, bud. And that's been rough here, right? Like almost every day you feel like you're having one too many, two too many, whatever. I, I may need to try out a little when I get back to town. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> no such thing. How can you not with this kind of weather? You need to stay hydrated, right, buddy? That's, that's all it is, man. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to stay hydrated, right? So uh, we got a ton of things to cover today. We got uh, a new general manager for the Leafs. You've been hovering around Red Black training camp uh stanley cup final is set look we can talk about a bunch of different things but we always start in the same place and i know that you know the drill so what have you brought to the table today man that's right maddie uh, i know the drill and uh, what i'm drinking right now is going to be the waterloo guava lime rattler um i went into the beer wow. store and i noticed yeah it's not very strong it's only a th- uh, two and a half percent ooh, even less than i thought so it's kind of not even a beer um i'm basically <laughs> drinking juice uh, but it's got a really cool can and they have, a, they had a couple Rattlers. They have a, a tart cherry one. And now, like I said, a guava lime, uh, but Waterloo makes some good Rattlers and they're perfect for when you're golfing. It's not too high and, right. and alcohol percentage tastes great. It's very refreshing. You get a little bit of a fruity taste into it. I thought it was a little bit higher percentage than this. So I do feel a little bit weak, Matt. You can <laughs> chirp. You can go ahead and chirp. I, I don't feel that great about it now, but the can, like I said, looks great. It's green. It's pink. There's a warthog on it. There's guavas on it. It looks awesome. So I'm going to crack one of these and just, uh, yeah, feel free to have Adder on me. You know what? I, 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 maybe I spoke a little too soon saying, you know, the drill, but, uh, you have always come in strong with the beers here. So I'm going to let you off the hook. And like you said, when it's 30 degrees like this, and, and as you said, like sometimes something like that just goes down kind of nice. I, I got no beef with that, man. And it tastes good too, Matt. That's a good. Yeah. And Waterloo makes nice stuff, right? Like all over. Yeah. The place, so. Uh, no, I love their their IPAs. I like I like a lot of their stuff. So uh, when I went into the the beer store and I see uh, the fella, he he was like facing. He was putting out all the beer, but he was stocking the wall. It was like a power wall, and the colors are everywhere. And he's got all the cans all like it's filled. I walked in. I felt like a dick for just going in to grab a beer. And I'm like, man, this looks great. But all of these Waterloo, like the Waterloo cans, they looked so good. And I'm like, you know what? So I grabbed a couple. I grabbed an IPA, grabbed the the uh, Rattlers, and then I grabbed whatever uh, a couple others and. And, uh, I was like, okay, but, uh, it, it tastes really good. So I could have won with the IPA that's in the fridge right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to lie to you, even though, uh, no one can see us. <laughs> that's true. Um, that wall that you're talking about that so often exists in so many beer stores and so many LCBOs, it reminds me, you know, as you know, now a grown man, as I'm sitting here looking at all these beers, what am I going to choose? What am I going to, it reminds me of being a kid standing at like walmart or wherever in front in the video ga- like in the electronics section staring at all mm-hmm. the video games behind the locked case that you'd have to wait for someone to come and unlock <laughs> and get, but you're just like looking at all of them which one am i gonna get what am i gonna do man that's the way i feel now standing in front of that uh that wall at the lcbo and, and as you say yeah, often I, those guys work hard to make it look nice and you're just like screw that i'm taking this one and that one and this one <laughs> well that's where i felt bad i used to be a stock boy at giant tiger back in uh, high school and you know usually you wait to the last like half hour this guy was doing in the afternoon though so i didn't feel as bad okay but, yeah you know as i go in and, and i grab a couple of beers it's like ah, i did feel bad because like i said when i was at giant tiger and it was like all right last half hour everybody go face so you pull all the products to the front of the shelf so it looks really nice and colorful and uh 
uh, so when I did that to him, I thought though, Matt, you were going to go even more old school and uh, talk about, you know how I said the power wall, right? You yeah. walk into the, the fridge and you go in and they all look beautiful. But I believe they used to call power walls when you'd walk into small like convenience stores or whatever it was and the cigarette walls, right? They, those <laughs> yeah, I believe okay. were called power walls uh, be- and that's why they had to start covering them up because they didn't want kids seeing them because it's all colorful. Yeah. It's all these things. What's behind the counter? Yeah, now so that's it's all where cancerous I believe- lungs and warning labels. They don't look anywhere near as nice <laughs> on the wall, right? So. Do you even know anyone that smokes cigarettes anymore? I swear to God, you walk down the street and it's everybody that smokes a vape or whatever. I don't even notice yeah. people smoking cigarettes anymore. No, it's true. I don't know if I do. Uh, for a while, like, and even when I was in high school, like there were kids who smoked and I knew a couple of oh, them yeah. or whatever, but it was clearly even then on the decline. And I like part of it has just been the fact that they tax the hell out of you now, right? Like it's so expensive mm-hmm. to smoke. But uh, I know one guy who, I don't know if you're into the vape thing and I, I, who knows who I'm risking offending here uh, uh, as a listener, but I sort of understand the idea of vaping if you're still like a cheese eating high school kid. I kind of get it. <laughs> and I sort of understand the idea of vaping if you're someone who's trying to quit smoking. I understand that there's like a habit, right? That you, this sort of helps fulfill and it's not quite as bad. I kind of get that. But I know a guy who never smoked a cigarette in his entire life who at like 34 years old just decided one day, yeah, now I'm going to vape. Hmm. And I was just sort of like, I don't know. I look at that guy now as like a cheese eating high school kid. Like it's, it's, it's odd, man. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why all of a sudden he decided, well, I guess all the cool kids are doing it. I'm like, yeah, but you're old enough to be their parents, man. Like, so. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. No, I got nothing against it. It's no. not my, it's not my cup of tea. I don't like, uh, that stuff. But, um, I, if people want to do it, that's cool. But sure. it's just like, like I guess that it's just a couple of older people I know that maybe still smoke. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know a lot of people my age or younger that I've ever seen go in and ask for cigarettes. Same, man. It's an interesting thing. So, uh, I'm going to change the power wall from the cigarette wall to the beer store wall wall. when it's freshly faced. I like that. Great. Uh, I got one here, man. While I've been up at the lake, I was, uh, I was touring around on Saturday, uh, actually with my uncle and some family out on his boat. We went into Fenland Falls for, uh, for dinner and a couple beers and, uh, that is home not surprisingly, to the Fenland Falls Brewing Company. And so on the way back to the boat, you're walking right by it. Obviously, I have to go in here and and pick up a couple of things. So one of the ones I grabbed is called their Tropical Stout. And that was fascinating to me. You know me, man. I'm a dark beer guy. I like stouts. And I sort of figured there's almost no indication here on the label. And as always, we'll post post the beer at Tall Can Audio on Instagram. But there's no indication here about what is supposed to make this stout tropical, I assumed there'd be like maybe some tangerine, right? Or pineapple to it or something. And so I came back and I'm looking it up on, at, uh, on that untapped app and there's just no information there about it. And I looked it up on the Fenland Falls Brewing Company website. And all it says there is that like this, uh, stout made with, um, you know, British malts is good, good for all seasons. And so it sort of feels to me, man, like this is just their stout with a la- different label on it in the summer. You know, it's their winter stout that they're, they're just trying to sell off what's left. I like a good stout either way, so I'm not going to hold that against them, but I'm not expecting anything here that's going to make it feel overly tropical. But it's clocking in at 5.6%. It's in a big 500 bill bottle here. Uh, so that's what I'm rolling with on this one, ma'am. No, I'm, I'm uh, happy that you're probably not getting hosed. No. Uh, but like I've noticed the last few times, like you say, yeah, I, I like the stouts. I'm not going to claim, but like, I feel like the last few times we've done shows, you're, you're usually, you know, kicking around a, a good stout. So, yeah. you know, you've been on a little stout kick when, uh, when I've been on the show. So that's pretty good. But, uh, I, I find the difference in the summertime for a lot of them is it'll just be a lot smoother. Yeah. Like, uh, one of my favorites, um, was like a toffee, a toffee coffee oh, crisp. Nice. Is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was done by Weatherhead in Perth, uh, which it's no longer Weatherhead. Um, but at the time, yeah, and it Lake, was so Lake Town or something like that. Yeah, Lake yeah. Town, I believe it is now. But they had one, and it was so good, and it was just like I was expecting like a heavy kind of uh, like a, a heavier kind of beer, kind of like a more of a Guinness, but it was so smooth and so tasty. Like it was amazing. It's one of the best stouts I've ever had. But how does this one taste for you? It's pretty nice, but it's just a stout. Like there's yeah. <laughs> nothing summery about it. There's nothing tropical about it. Um, but it, it's got a little bit of that, uh, you know, kind of chocolatey feel to it that a lot of them have. Um, yeah, it's it's nice, man. There, I got no complaints about it. But my suspicions about this just being pull the winter stout <laughs> label off and pluck the summer label on uh, 
I don't know. They still remain at this point. Might buddy. have to have a word with the manager next time you Could go there. Could be, man. Could be. Uh, <laughs> Throw down. Right. Um, look, we got a few different places we could start, but why don't we just in kind of a general sense, I'm curious where you're at with hockey at this point. There was a lot of talk going into that final four. It was Vegas and Dallas. It was Florida and Carolina. It's those Southern markets that some Canadian fans were maybe a little smugly, maybe a little, uh, arrogantly, I don't know, but legitimately having a hard time getting up for. And I felt that quite a bit. Maybe I'm one of those smug ones. There was something about this matchup or those two matchups that didn't really speak to me. And I didn't watch a whole lot of the conference finals when there was, uh, you know, overtime going on, I would jump in, you know, if I was sitting around not doing much else, maybe I'd, I'd put it on, but it didn't really grab me. And now we've arrived at a Florida Vegas final and no doubt they'll do their best to, you know, put together some storylines here and, um, I, I'm sure it'll be a good series, but what's your excitement level on it? Are you planning to watch much of this final? Does it have your attention? Oh yeah, for sure. I, and, but I'm like the, I'm the easy target in terms of an audience that's going to watch. I love the Stanley cup final. And, um, yeah, I wasn't, uh, I, the only thing I had a problem with other than the Leafs not making the third round. Yeah. Uh, we, we won't talk about that just yet. Though. <laughs> uh, I really wanted Seattle to get in, uh, nothing against Dallas. Cause I think that they're a team that needs this kind of exposure. Um, like they have so many great players, but there's just like not a lot of sexiness or hype around their squad, but like talented, like, oh, yeah. like top to bottom, like such a great, well-rounded squad. Love them. So I, I kind of wanted to see Seattle get in mainly because I think they're there would have been so many more cooler storylines, right? Uh, especially in the West, right? Like two newer franchises getting to the conference final only a couple of years into the league, mm-hmm. especially Seattle in their second season. We saw Vegas do it in their first season, but the jersey matchups are cool. Well, but I don't really care about that because <laughs> I still think Vegas has nicer jerseys than Seattle's. But I also think it's like you could have built a hey, rivalry just to stop right you there. for a second because you were there the first time this happened, man. I did not need the Panthers getting by the Leafs because that pigeon Creech I was worried was going to be showing up in the studio with that Panthers jersey like he did. <laughs> Um, I don't know. That was like a year for a while. (laughs) Honestly, man, I couldn't have him in studio there immediate during that series or in the immediate aftermath. Um, but you're right. The, uh, the Jersey battle is, is not too bad here, but it does look like an, an interesting enough series in terms of the actual on ice product, right? Yeah, no, it does. Uh, that was the only thing I wanted, though, for my final four is to see Seattle get in over Dallas. So that way, Vegas uh, and Seattle, like I said, there could have been a good rivalry sure, there. Yeah. Right? You two West Coast teams, two newer teams, like, and you're always worried about, all right, well, who are they going to be the rivals? Like, you, you kind of live off that, right? Your fan bases. And I was like, God, that would have been a perfect opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Dallas. Cousins, yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. It would have been just cool. Like it's a, it's an extra kind of storyline you could have had. <laughs> I just didn't find there was a lot of there. Like there's nothing there between Vegas, Dallas, no. right? It, that was like, oh man, like I need to watch the series other than the fact that it's, you know, the Western conference finals. So, um, I wanted Vegas to, and, and Florida to get in. Like I was, uh, kind of, those are the teams I thought would make the better cup finals in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Vegas, squad from like top to bottom. I've had a little crush on them for the last, like, <laughs> I don't know, couple seasons here now, but, uh, since, uh, Bruce, Cassidy got there and has really that like I said, I feel like that team was built for him. So and funny his style. Bruins fire him, he goes to the cup final there in the first round. That's probably not the way they envision that going. And right after that, they had like a record breaking year too, yes, right? The yeah. Bruins, like it's just crazy <laughs> how this uh, season worked. But I just you know, Mark Stone is awesome. I love Shea Theodore, I love Alex Petrangelo. Like I love that the the depth that this uh, team has from top to bottom. So um I guess if you, you want to say it, I kind of jumped on the Vegas bandwagon once the Leafs were eliminated mm-hmm. in that sense of it. Um, and it, when it came to Carolina, Florida, I don't know about you, if you had a, a preference in general, obviously you didn't want to see Florida because yeah, they down beat the Leafs. Florida. <laughs> no, but I also was like, I have no appetite for Carolina being there right. either. Right. So I was kind of like, you know, I, I liked the way that Florida, like, as much as uh, I'm sour that the Leafs didn't beat them. Like this is a team that's just been on a roll. They've lost two games. Yep. Like one game since April 23rd. Like this is a team that's we're entering June yep. by the time the puck drops and they've lost one game against the Leafs. So the, since April 23rd. 
like against the Bruins. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. So this team is just on a heater right now. Uh, and, and as much, yeah, I love the Kachucks. I, I think that they're great and they're so good for the game of hockey. And I like people are going on about Bobrovsky and yeah, he did show up and save them. But man, the way he performed against the Hurricanes, this guy is like right there with the Conn Smythe. I'd give it to him personally because I think that, that he was great as well in round one. And sure, like Bob got in there, but he didn't even start the series. So I'm looking at Mac Kachuk since the beginning of the playoffs to now. And he's been the most consistent and best player and Bobrovsky yeah he's been so good too and it's annoying as hell because it feels like the guy was terrible and he just wanted to appear against the Leafs like he's amazing again and it drove me crazy for that sense but I was on the side of I wanted to see Florida I like a lot as well a lot of their players but I just think that they play a really fun game to watch and I think that very much suits up against Vegas so I I'm really happy with the Stanley Cup final I'm with you on uh on Bobrovsky to me they're you know, we'll see what happens in the final, but there is no debate for me that Bobrovsky is the clubhouse leader right now for the Con Smythe because the Panthers keep winning like all of these games, like seven out of the last eight wins or whatever it's been have all been by one goal. And I understand, you know, Matthew Kachuk putting in three overtime winners and how crazy clutch that is, but they're not even in position for him to do that unless Bobrovsky's doing what he's doing, right? So uh, to me, he is the guy going into this final who has... Um, you know, the, the lead on that. I'm curious what your stance is. You said you kind of adopted Vegas this year as the, the team that you jump on the bandwagon for. If you asked me to pick who I'm cheering for, it would probably be Vegas, but it's a fairly lukewarm endorsement, right? Like I'm not super excited about it, but the one guy that I do find myself a little surprised, even to me that I'm cheering for is Jack Eichel a little bit mm-hmm. because in Buffalo, we all made the jokes, right? He's the coach and the GM and he's Connor's number two and all these sorts of things. And he gets, sort of built himself a bit of a bad rap. And then what he went through there with his medical issues and with his neck and his back and not being allowed to choose his own, you know, medical treatment, which was still totally fucked up. Um, to see him get to Vegas, get a second chance and show that he is still, when given the opportunity, like an elite center in this league. And it took him some time, right? It took him some time to get going again. Mm -hmm. He'd been through a lot. He'd been off for quite a while. But I have enjoyed watching Jack Eichel kind of reassert himself as a top player in the league. And I'm surprised, like I said, I surprised even myself with that. I was sort of enjoying Jack Eichel being a punching bag in Buffalo there for a long time. I never really thought I'd see myself uh, in a position where I was sort of half rooting for him and happy to see him get his game going again. Where are you at on Jack Eichel in these playoffs? Yeah, love him. Uh, I think he's just been a different player than I've seen before. Uh, I'm with you. I was never the biggest fan of him. I just kind of, you know, I, I always thought he was a, a, you know, a solid player, but I just, in terms of the way he played, it's kind of always seems like he had an attitude, Felt like when he was in Buffalo, he was always blaming everybody else. Uh, I, I gained a lot of respect for him when he stood up for himself and said that he wanted to, you know, do the surgery on his own. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I thought that Vegas, uh, it was a great spot for him, um, because he has some good leadership around him. Yes. Guys like Petrangelo, guys like Mark Stone, mm-hmm. you know, Marcia has been there for a couple couple years now right and he's kind of been the face since almost the start but uh i thought that that was a good fit for him and i've loved him for this entire playoff like uh he's been awesome and you know 18 points he's got the most on vegas right now right beside marcia so but those two have some great chemistry i just feel like you notice him out there every shift he has the puck he just seems like a different player that's kind of maybe even just coming into his own yeah uh but i think he's been great and if you're looking for uh a con Smythe favorite on that side Mm -hmm. there's no chance it's anybody other than him yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, probably not going to be their goalie. Aiden Hill plopped in there kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> the trio three. of guys that they rotate. Honestly, eh? it's <laughs> like, good for them. He's doing fa- he's doing fine, but I don't think anybody would have predicted that Aiden Hill would be the starting goaltender this year for a Stanley Cup finalist, but uh, here we are. Yeah, that back end of Vegas is, like I said, the decor, the, like all six guys are just like I, I have no problems with any of them. Like Martinez and Petrangelo, like mm-hmm. they're such a solid one too. But I really Shea like the way Theodore's so good, right? Like Shea, so underrated. Oh, he's so underrated. He's so good. But I also really like uh, Braden McNabb a lot. Yeah. I love the way he plays the game, and I feel like that's such a great pair. And then like Zach, Zach Whitecloud, like he's really surprised me all playoffs. And I already like Nick Hag is is very whatever, but it's just like he doesn't seem like a slouch either out no. there. And he's had a pretty decent playoff. So like I've liked a lot of that. Uh, like I said, their D core for a while, but just seeing them play in the playoffs, it's like it's almost it doesn't matter. Like you said, I wouldn't have ever thought Aiden Hill was going to be the starting goaltender, <laughs> but it's like you know what? Here we go. 
show. It's like, and half the time it's not with even John him. I don't Quick even know. sitting on the bench, right? Like yeah. they traded for that guy at the deadline. He's got two cups and they're, they're rolling ride or die with Aiden Hill. Yeah. And, and it's crazy, world. but yeah. yeah. And like I said, that back end is, I feel like a very much responsible for it too. Uh, Aiden Hill has been very like hit and miss. I think he was riding a bit of a you know, cloud nine at the beginning of the series against Dallas. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, he's kind of got it together a little bit, but, um, I'm curious to see how they, this team performs again in their second round of the Stanley cup final. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, there was other hockey news. As we sit here on uh, on Wednesday, the Toronto Maple Leafs named the guy that basically everyone thought they were going to name since they decided they weren't bringing Kyle Dubas back. Um, it's been almost two weeks since that announcement was made that Dubas wouldn't be back. And those are valuable days as the Leafs have a lot of work to do. But, you know, Brad Treliving had already uh, been dismissed by the Calgary Flames or uh, there's some there's some cloudiness around what that looked like. Um, Walked away. It sounds like, fired. right? Yeah, yeah. They had chosen Daryl Sutter over him and he kind of went, well, then I'm out of here. And then they ended up firing Daryl Sutter anyway. So uh, a bit of a yeah. mess there, but it sort of feels like it took them almost two weeks to do what we always knew they were going to do. I don't know how many other people they spoke to. Um, for whatever reason, there was a lot of talk that, Doug Armstrong in St. Louis would be a candidate, despite the fact that he had just signed an extension. Uh, Andy Strickland of, uh, he covers the Blues, uh, he reported that they never asked the Blues for permission to speak to Doug Armstrong, so that was clearly a media invention. Um, But we've landed on Brad Treliving, and I don't know, for people who don't know, his father is Jim Treliving of uh, Dragon's Den and owns the, uh, the Boston pizza chain. And that is almost, almost the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. <laughs> and that is almost to me the perfect analogy to getting Brad Treliving to be your GM in Toronto. When you are sitting there with your buddies talking about where you're going to go tonight, what you're going to have for dinner, and you sort of settle on Boston pizza. Like, it'll be fine. No one's really excited about it, but you know it'll be okay, and you'll have a couple beers, and the food will be fine. But no one's, like, over the moon, like, we have to go to Boston pizza. And that's sort of where I'm at with with Brad True Living. I think he's okay. He'll do fine, but there's nothing exciting about this in my mind. Um, I, I don't know what your reaction was today. I'm curious to find out, was this sort of were you expected to, that this was always going to land? Were you surprised? What was your reaction when it was made official, man? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll even go back a couple of weeks. I was a little surprised that they kind of let Dubas go yeah. in this sense. Uh, I thought like, I just thought that he had done enough to save his job this, uh, this kind of season, especially by going out and making some acquisitions that really helped the team, especially in the playoffs, Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, especially mm-hmm. uh, Nola Chari. I really liked what he brought to the game. As so get ready. For the Stanley Cup final, Nolachari is still the hit leader in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he hasn't played in two weeks. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, but like he was a different element. But so I thought, like you know what, we got to a point where this year it looked like, and maybe he didn't want to be back as much as uh, they wanted him back. But it, maybe Shanny was also like, you know what, we've given you your chance. Like we kind of want to move on into a different, uh, a, a different lane. And I get it; it's cool. So I was kind of like, all right, well, who's out there that really intrigues me? And I was like. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. And like, I heard the Doug Armstrong stuff too, but never really bought it. Like you said, I wasn't feeling that because of the contract extension, but also that St. Louis is a very much in an interesting position right now anyways. So when I was like, all right, try living. he's king shit there, right? Like he's running the show. Does he want to come here and answer to Shani? Probably not. Right. Like, no, I'm sure there's a lot of that too. And I think the factor would have been like someone here, try to keep Austin Matthews in Toronto, basically. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It's, yeah. This is the kind of your last year. And, you know, for me, like I'm thinking, I don't really know who to believe and what to expect right now. You had Austin Matthews saying he wants an extension. We also had Kyle Dubas that said he was Toronto or bust. And now it sounds like he's kind of waiting on the Ottawa Senator sale to maybe take a job here. He took, I don't, I understand why he didn't want the job in Pittsburgh. If that, he did turn that down, which has been reported by a couple of insiders. So I don't, uh, I don't know why. Yeah, he would to me, done. the Dubas thing was, he's not using this as leverage. You're not going to see me pop up somewhere else. I'm trying to get a deal done with Toronto or I'm not going to do anything. Once Mm -hmm. Toronto says to him, we don't want you back. And he decided he had apparently decided he was ready to work. I, I think that's sort of off the table. I won't be surprised if he pops up in 
Ottawa or Pittsburgh or wherever the next job might mm-hmm. be. Like, I th- I sort of think that's off the table personally. Yeah. I mean, like the reports are that he turned down the Pittsburgh job and yeah. I believe it. I don't know. That's a, that's another team that's in a spot where you have a lot of aging superstars that, yeah, but your core is kind of falling apart and you don't have a lot have going no on. Picks, so have no prospects. That's yeah. a rough job. Yeah, so I, I can see him not wanting to step into that. So when Trout Living got in, and I was like, ah, you know what? All right, like, is that the best we can do? But it's also like, I looked him up, and like a lot of the stuff he's did in Calgary, I have no issues with. I kind of think he did some some good stuff there and helped rebuild that spot. Um, I, you know, I wasn't a fan of the Matt Kachuk trade, so, uh, but that I don't believe uh, was something that was avoidable. It was unavoidable because he wanted out, it sounded yeah. like. Um, yeah, he sort I, of said, I'm not signing, so trade me or whatever. And at the time, I don't know where you stood on that. Given that True Living was backed into a corner there, mm-hmm. I thought at the time, I thought that was a good trade, that he got Huberto and Mackenzie Weger uh, for Matt Kachuk. I thought, wow, like that's really impressive. And then they both went out and had fairly uninspiring seasons that leave me wondering yeah. if those were, if it was quite as good of a deal as I thought it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I feel you. So I was kind of surprised that Dubas was gone. I, I felt like this was either Sheldon key for, you kind of got a trade, make a trade. And maybe that's how the conversations went. I, I believe maybe there was some times where Kyle Dubas was too attached to this core. Like if you think back to it, you know, we can just maybe get in more on this too, just quickly up if you don't mind. Sure. But like, what do you think is the legacy of Kyle Dubas through his time in Toronto? Like, I don't have a lot to give you personally. And I don't know if you have any differing opinions, but the biggest thing is that he just didn't get it done when it mattered. And you had four guys that are being paid like over $40 million mm-hmm. in Tavares and Matthews and Marner and Nylander, uh, you know, the contracts he gave out. And it's like, you know, he just never got the job done. So it's like, all right, well, what's his legacy in Toronto? So Trilliving, you know, coming to Toronto was like, okay. And I don't know about you. Like I said, if you have a different view on Kyle Dubas, but I, I, I was with, I said it, I don't know, a year ago, I thought they should trade Marner and all this stuff. But when you think of Kyle Dubas's time in Toronto, what, where, where do you kind of sit in his legacy? <laughs> what, is there anything that like very positive kind of stands out to you the word i guess i would use and i've used once or twice talking about this on the show is stability i really like what he built as an organization i really like that we stop hearing about the crazy ass nonsense that we used to hear as leaf fans coming out of the board (laughs) or coming out of you know there was less crazy shit and it was a good team it was a competitive team through the regular season and i have always sort of subscribed to the theory And it was based on watching St. Louis. It was based on watching Washington that you just stay good for as long as you can. And one of these times you hope for a little good luck. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I thought he had set them up pretty well for that, but I am with you in the fact that I don't think, and I've said this a few times on here, but I, I, I don't think it was crazy if they had have fired him, right. They came out and said, you didn't get by again. It is a winning business. And you can have all the 111, 109, 115 point seasons you want. In North American sports, we value playoff success. And he didn't get that done. So I don't think it's crazy that they didn't, uh, like, I wouldn't have thought it was crazy if they just said, you're gone. What I think is crazy is the road we took, which was yeah. we've decided we want him back. Brendan Shanahan, even in his own press conference, is going, really liked the summer he had. Really liked the season we had. Really liked the trade deadline he had. And I tried multiple times to give him a contract. And then I watched his press conference and I went, ah, fuck that, and fired him. Like, that is a weird way to to behave, right? So as for his legacy, to me, the word is stability and being less, like I said, less hilariously inept. Um, I think think Brad Treliving will be stable. Like, I don't think he's going to be one of these crazy, like Brian Burke used to come out and just start fires in the media (laughs) because it would take the pressure off his guys. Right. And it'll make him the story again. We stopped seeing that type of Mm -hmm. nonsense and I valued that. So uh, I'm not saying he's irreplaceable. I'm not saying he's the best GM ever, but I do think it's concerning that you let this guy learn on the job for five years as a young first time GM. And just as he was figuring it out and getting experienced and, and getting better and better at this, now's the time you decided to, to kick him down the road. That's mm-hmm. sort of where I'm at with it. Yeah. And, and so where my point is on that too, is like, you think about it and the things I do remember him saying is that he promised William Nylander, he wouldn't trade him. And 
you think about, all right, well, William Nylander was the guy that's like, you know what? He actually has the best contract for, I guess, what he puts out yep. in terms of points. Like, you know what I mean? And so I'm wondering if he was too attached to that, this, this too loyal core to this four. Group. I think that's possible, man. I think and that's I, reasonable. Yeah, I'm wondering if Shani said, all right, I need your vision on what's going to happen in the next little while here. Are you going to trade one of these guys? What's going to happen? Because, you know, Tavares, as much as he showed up in round one, he was non-existent, just like Austin Matthews and Mitch mm-hmm. Marner in round two. Yep. Um, but uh, you get to these, you know, you have to make a big move, and maybe he didn't believe that needed to be done. Maybe he wanted to stay status quo with that that core four. Maybe. And I know he said in his post-press conference that, you know, nothing was off the table, but I'm wondering if that's kind of where he was, because you could tell maybe he had a person a little bit of an attachment like that was his core four and he didn't want to maybe it's shanny who has that because there was a report chris johnston put out that shanahan on the day that he called uh the the big four guys five guys whatever the leaders on the team to say we're firing tubas he sort of told them it's my vision to bring you all back so Mm -hmm. maybe it's the opposite maybe dubas said we got to make a change and shanny said no like it's we're guessing a little bit I, I'm not sure, and that's the thing. I don't really know what Shanahan meant by that because I believe he also understood too because he was the year before was like, we need a killer instinct, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like he should realize, and that's where I, I'm not sure if I'm buying what he's saying there and maybe he's taking no, some of that cloud I'm away. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know because I, when I heard that, I was very confused because you know for a guy that's won enough Stanley Cups and been around the league long enough and has seen this team in the, four, uh, the core four, I feel like you're, you are you got to be pretty ignorant to ignore that you you can't do <laughs> nothing about it i feel like you don't have to absolutely go out of your way to just get rid of them for nothing i feel like all of them have value other than john Tavares. i'm not really sure what you would get for him in a return i feel like you'd have to give up a draft pick to move that kind of a contract because as much as i i like the guy i just feel like he's the kind of guy that's like all right man like it's time for you to step up now and that contract isn't going to look good in the next couple of years so i look at that the matthews thing is obviously number one what are you going to do with him is he going to are you going to find an extension for him what's happening there mitch marner like there's a lot that has, like trey living has to come into right now and i was just curious maybe if there was something going on there in terms of vision and if brendan shannon really believes in that i i don't know man i personally just don't think that this core four is going to be able to get it done and i just feel like the the, the guys lacking killer instinct are the guys that need to have the killer instinct and i just i just feel like we've seen enough times now jonathan Deveres absolutely doesn't have it and mitch marner absolutely doesn't have it either well let's talk a little bit about that as we come back around to brad for living and uh and looking forward to what he's coming into that kyle uh, that john Tavares contract that kyle dubas gave him for people who didn't like it said that it was too long it was taking john Tavares into an older age bracket or whatever that contract expires when John Tavares is 34. In the last 18 months, Brad Treliving has signed, and I guess it's more like the last 24 months, maybe a little bit longer, but Brad Treliving has signed Nazem Kadri, um, Jacob Markstrom, Mackenzie Weger, and where's this? Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. Huberdeau. Yeah. All to huge contracts that take them well into their th- age 36 season, and in some cases, 37. Mm. So I'm not sure... The, the new guy is an upgrade in that sense either, right? If we're worried about the types of contracts he gives out into a type of age group he gives out, that's concerning, right? So it just, mm-hmm. in, as we compare and contrast with, with Kyle Dubas, um, like I said, the Tavares deal ends at 34. So, you know, the, these are worthwhile things to contribute. He has had a decent, not fantastic, but decent draft record. You could say the same about Kyle Dubas, right? The Leafs uh, will wait and see how some of his drafts pan out. The early returns aren't fantastic. He gets blamed for a lot of the ones a little earlier, which were Mark Hunter drafts, and those were also abysmal. Um, what do you think of of this guy, of Brad Treliving coming in here? And is it an upgrade? Is it a downgrade? Is it just kind of a step to the side? Um, you mentioned Kyle Dubas not getting it done in the playoffs, which is a completely fair criticism. He has one series win in five years as GM. Brad Treliving has two series wins in seven years as GM. So it's really not a huge upgrade there either in terms of building teams with killer instinct. I, I just, I'm curious what you think of this guy in comparison to Kyle Dubas. Better, worse, the same, I, 
Yeah, it, it's tough. I, I, I kind of, I, I'm in the, I'm in the kind of same, and I want to see. Like, I, I have nothing against them because I feel like, you know, the Kyle Dubas thing had kind of worn off a bit. Like I, like I told you, yeah. And just, I, I think there was a change that needed to be made. I didn't think it would be him out of all of the trade, uh, all of that. So when I look at Trilliving, I'm like, all right, let's see. Like he's got his work cut out for him with more than enough free agents to bring back. Like I said, I want to see what he does. I don't want to see five year contracts to Nola Chari because he's a free agent. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I won't like that. But when he he brought in Nazem Kadri. I was okay with that contract mainly because I liked what he did there because I thought his vision was, you know what, this guy's coming off a Stanley Cup win. Let's bring him in and see what we could do with him. And that, and that fan base was reeling, right? They had lost yeah. Goudreau. They were about to yeah. lose Kachuk. We got to do something. So I, I'm not necessarily saying he was crazy to do it. I'm just saying as we compare yeah. the ages and the contracts, he's yeah. not, uh, you know, he's not that different from Kyle in, in being willing to go like that. No, and that's the thing, right? Your GMs in there, especially in those spots, you, you kind of get put against the wall and you got to yeah. try and figure out what you're going to do. And I believe his thought was, you know what? I think Nazem Kadri would pair up. Like, I didn't see the way the, like, I didn't think the Calgary Flames would miss the playoffs. Me this neither. Year, did you? No, no. No. And I, I thought he set up that team pretty decently. Yeah. Uh, I thought guys had a down year. So when I look at what he could do and what he's done, uh, I like a lot of his drafts. I think that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it seems like he's not afraid to take safe picks where sometimes I thought that what bothered me with Kyle Dubas was he would lean more towards the skill than the size, right? And uh, someone that could be a grittier guy he'd take a shot on maybe a dark horse smaller guy that put up a lot of points but you know might grow into it I, like you know we're seeing a lot of this like i thought matthew nyes is one of his best picks sure and in general and, yep. and that over the last couple of years right yeah whereas uh, was, your nick robertson's and Simeon duragachensev's and what like are smaller yeah. they're getting beat around a bit they're having a hard time getting set right like and that's the thing right and, and you know sometimes you hit on these guys but sometimes you miss and it's yep. like you look a lot of what calgary's done and you know i think that uh, I like a lot of what he did. I'm curious to see now what he does with his roster construction. If he does try to get rid of one of the big fours or, you know what, he just kind of comes in and nickels and dimes and kind of puts this through. And his big focus right now, I believe, is going to be Austin Matthews. How is be. it not? It has to be. Um, but other than that, like, you know, William Nylander is another one too, where it's like, well, what do we view on him? Because he's only got a year left too, and he's yep. getting paid pretty good. So that he's a guy I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, a little bit more of, you know, as a leaf, I don't think he's ever underplayed for them. I, I think that he takes a lot of the blame. I, I do believe that I don't love the way he plays the game because I do feel like he's more of a perimeter player. Feels like a lot of the time against Florida, he was afraid to get to the middle of that ice and was always, you know, had the pocket in the neutral zone, but then would take it wide once he got into the zone. So like, I'm curious to see if he's a guy that maybe gets traded out this year, but on the back end, it's a bit of a mess, man. And we saw that against, uh, you know, in the playoffs, it's like, you know, Justin Hall, not, you know, very much, obviously, um, he gone. he's in a UFA, <laughs> but he was a Dubas guy. Right. And that yep. was the thing where I think he won it. He won with the Marley. So he's always had his back. I didn't like him in the playoffs. I didn't like a lot of the 11 and seven decisions. Uh, and I feel like there's some guys on this decor that are good, but it's like, all right, man, like Jake McCabe, he's the guy I'm, I'm happy that they have for a couple of years here. Luke Shen, I'd absolutely love to see him back for another year. I think he he brought a lot there. Gustafson is another interesting name. There's a couple of free agents that I'm like, all right, like, are you going to target one? Because uh, I think they're top Dan four. Looked his age hard too, right? Like, it's I know, I, I really road. don't. I love that guy, but he's a, you might be at the end of that rope, right? I, he was the one guy other than Hall that I thought was uh, struggled a lot yeah. against the Panthers. And yeah. I would have, uh, I would have liked him out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, but I, I understood why you couldn't kind of take him out right as a veteran guy. Um, I was never a huge fan of that trade. I, I thought that was a kind of a waste of a trade. Um, nothing against Giordano. I, uh, I've always see, said I thought he was guy, pretty good the previous year against Tampa. I just thought this year, maybe they, when they had all those injuries on D early in the season and middle of the season, he stepped up and actually played mm-hmm. really well still. But I thought maybe that ran him out of gas a bit, right? And he was starting to show his age mm-hmm. by the end. I do wonder if he'll be back, right? Like uh, if if maybe it's time to retire. I thought the trade by and large was okay uh, because he was pretty good for us last year and for the first half of this year. But, you know, father time undefeated, right? He comes for, comes for everybody mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah, my only problem with the trade at the time was it kind of felt like it was a desperation. They really wanted a veteran defenseman to add, and why I didn't really love it is it's like, all right, well, who's the best available out there that we could probably get without having to give up something like big time? And it's like, oh, you know what? Let's go for Geo. And it's like I wanted a, a guy that, like, I would have loved a Luke Shen 
in that spot. A guy that's been to the cup final, added a bit of nastiness, gave you a different element on your back end and helped you out a lot more in that sense. And I just found like Giordano was like, all right, it's, he's basically the exact same kind of defenseman that this team already deploys. He doesn't have any real experience because he never won a cup, but he's been to a, you know, the playoffs a good couple bit. He's 39 years old. He's old. He's been around for a bit, but I was like, I just wanted that extra guy. I felt like he, he they kind of just went and grabbed a veteran guy mm-hmm. rather than a veteran guy that's been there, done that and could help a lot of this young core. Um, I wasn't a fan of the Sandine trade because I feel like you would have been a great guy to add to your top four heading into this year. Um, I, I think Timothy Lilligren stood out a bit against the Planthers. I thought he was one of their better, more consistent defensemen, uh, you know, other than Luke Shen, who I think was their best defenseman through the playoffs. So, like I said, I look at Trilliving uh, and I'm like, give all right, Morgan what's Riley he a little love here? after a terrible season. Riley was fantastic for them. Sorry, in the yes, I, I, uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, uh, I didn't mean to disclude him there. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't saying that in that sense. He, he had a great round uh, in the first round. Obviously, in the second round it cooled off a bit, a but little bit. Yeah, it was very much still really good. He was one of those guys. Uh, who I just kept really fighting, liked what, right when we were. Criticizing the core about not showing up for game yeah. three. Morgan Riley showed up for every game and did his absolute best. So I think he maybe no, got it goes to, back to a couple. Go ahead. Sorry. I go back to a couple of years ago and I, I really wish he would have been the captain. Um, I, I never convinced. like had anything. You, might, you might still see that. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I thought that he showed that leadership, you know, a guy that's been through so much with this organization in his career too, from even before he was drafted, breaking his leg in his draft year. I thought, you know what? All right. Like who's going to step up in these moments. And when he scored those overtime goals, uh, you know, in the first, and I think he had the second round one as well. Um, but he, uh, he just looked so good and I was like, man, this guy like just stepped up and added an extra gear. And what made me so happy was that he didn't have a great regular season. No. So heading into the playoffs, I'm like, man, like, all right, we need him to be a dog. And it's like, oh man, this guy's a dog. He was out there. Like he was uh, having a great first round against Tampa. I loved it. Second round, he was still very strong. I had nothing against the second round, but I just noticed Luke Shen almost every time he was out there, like he was doing something very good. And there was a couple moments he'd take a bad penalty or whatever it was, but I just thought I noticed him out there every time and he just made some good, smart plays, but he was also that guy that added the different element in the physicality factor and the I'm not backing down factor and the guy that was like always hard to play against, mm-hmm. boxing out in front of his net. I thought he did good and I thought the one thing that stood out to me was his skating. I just thought he looked like a great, uh, better skater. Yep. Just looked like he picked up a, an extra step once the playoffs came around. So I was really happy to see that uh, for Luke Shen. So I would love to see him back. I, I, but when I look at this back end, it's like you got a bunch of okay maybes. Like TJ Brody played a lot in the playoffs. I'm curious to see what happens here. Uh, I, and so I, I'm just, I really, I'm very curious to see what Trilliving does. It's a, it's a, like as much as like you said, it's kind of a step to the side. There's not much there. I wasn't excited either. We were kind of just like, yeah. All right. True living. <laughs> Let's see what he can eh, do. Boston. Pizza it is like, dinner. I am, I, I am kind of just like that right now. It's like, all right, man. Yeah. Welcome to this team. You have a draft in like, like uh, literally three weeks here, four weeks yeah. and the jan- uh, end of June here. So it's like time to scramble. And, uh, also on the same time, you've got like 12 UFAs. You got to figure out and you got to figure out a new contract for Austin Matthews. And you got to figure out if you're going to split up the big four. So that list is big for a guy that's coming in right now. And I'm just, uh, I'm excited to see a new face, to, like that new pair of eyes on this roster and what they do. And I'm also just excited and hope it goes well. I just, I think change is always good. I just hope this isn't a bad change. Yeah. It's an interesting point you make there on sometimes a fresh set of eyes isn't the worst thing in the world, right? I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not particularly pumped that Brad Treliving is here. I'm not horribly bummed that he's here, but it, it sort of seems like a step to the side. But sometimes a step to the side brings you a different look, a different feel, a slightly different, well, what if we just tried this? And and that might work out. The one thing I do want to ask you, though, before we move off this and talk a little CFL, is I sort of feel like there's a chance now that they have a new guy in charge that I don't think most of us predicted was going to be the case. Like I came out of those playoffs thinking, okay, Keefe's probably gone and maybe one of the big four is gone, but Kyle Dubas is probably back. And now Kyle Dubas is gone and it sort of looks, it sort of feels to me more likely today than it was yesterday that Keefe might be back and that all four of the big four might be back because how many GMs have we seen come in over the years and go, I want to take a look. I want to see what we have here, right? I I don't want to make it. I don't know the organization quite as well. 
Sheldon Keefe's record is good. Some of that's because he had the benefit of his first job being behind a team that was already built to be successful, but he's done some good things. Uh, I didn't love most of his work in the playoffs, to be honest with you. I thought he was out coached twice. And one of those times was by Paul Maurice, which oof, just cannot happen. Uh, and you have this big four that Brad Living is going to come in and take a look at and say, man, these are four really talented players. And I don't know how excited I am without knowing all the dynamics, who gets along with who, right? Like, what are the clicks? Who was only here because they were Kyle's boy? Like, these sorts of things. I think it's more likely today than it was yesterday or two weeks ago that Keefe and the Big Four are all back with this new guy coming in and, and saying it's the stuff around them that we need to address and not them. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I um, I really uh, for my big thing here, uh, Matt is just I want to know. Um, it's tough. I want to know why Keith was if he does have his job, why he was picked over Kyle Dubas. Because personally, I don't I don't understand it. Uh, like you, I'm very disappointed in seeing that every year he gets the playoffs and he's always been out coached. Yeah. Um, I don't like the fact that um, he was going so stubbornly with the eleven and seven. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, I never did. I don't, I, I get it. it. gives your, your star players more ice time, but it got to a point where you just, you're never really giving the, you know, the back end a good enough time to gel and vibe when you're, you know, taking guys out of the lineup and putting them back in. Um, I think he has a good record. And I think that the tie to Kyle Dubas was, I just thought he would be gone, especially when you see his assistant get hired as the head coach at another place. I'm like, okay, interesting here. Um, and I didn't even expect him to, uh, you know, any of these assistants to get hired somewhere else. So I was interested in that. I don't think that this team would be in a good spot if it's Sheldon Keefe and the big four coming back personally. I just, I, I don't, uh, I don't like that. I don't, I just feel like you're constantly yeah. you're kind of doing the same thing. And I'm I, not I, saying not, it's right. I just think it's more likely than it was before. Kyle, if he had stayed, was going to be forced to do something. We let you stay. Yeah. You better change something. And now the change was him. And maybe the new guy has a boring summer of just filling in more pieces around them again. I, uh, I'm not yeah. saying for sure, but I think that's on the table now. Then maybe it wasn't before. It, it probably is. Um, I just, I want to believe it's not. <laughs> I'm kind of in this I'm denial of wanting to be in a positive spot. Uh, like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't want to believe it more than I want to, be, like, than I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so I I'm think with I'm you, in. I'm with you. Yeah. It's kind of tough. Like I said, I just, I really personally think that Sheldon Keefe should be gone. I don't know if he's absolutely not going to be, but I just, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like there's something, uh, something there that just, you know what, let's just have a fresh, clean slate. And that's where, like I said, I am curious to see what is Trelliving's just like number one priority. Is it like literally, is he attacking Austin Matthews right now for an extension? And he's like, I'll figure out everything else later. You guys get the draft under control. Let me handle lost it. I hope so. Cause he's also the guy who just had walked Johnny Gaudreau to free agency, watched him yeah. leave and Matt Kachuk then turn around and go, well then fuck that. I'm out of here too. So yeah. that's alarming. If you're a Leaf fan, he'd better be on the phone every day right now yeah. trying to get Austin Matthews to, uh, to, and, and I do believe to be honest with you that Austin Matthews wants to stay. So it's just going to be a question of the numbers and We'll see what that looks like. I know you have, as we sit here now, only a couple weeks from the beginning of the CFL season, you've been doing the, the media work there. You've been sniffing around a training camp. You covered the last preseason game they played there last Friday. Uh, look, we, we've seen some injuries already, but I'm curious what your sense of the vibes around the team are, how much better do you think the Red Blacks are this year than they were last year? And, you know, that we're suddenly hearing, uh, hearing a lot of talk that maybe Jeremiah Masoli, who had that horrible injury last year, what isn't going to be ready for game one, which I think most of us just assumed was a given that he would be back for. Uh, what are you seeing around camp, man? How's it looked when you've been there? Yeah, it's been, uh, honestly a lot more positive and the, like there's some certain positions that I feel like the depth has been a lot more obvious, especially number one being receiver, uh, DB as well. 
but uh, I've liked a lot of what I've seen so far. Uh, Jeremiah Masoli, I don't believe, is going to be ready to go week one, just from everything I've seen and, mm. and just uh, my vibes on it. Uh, and I feel like Nick Arbuckle, uh, playing into the third quarter last week, saw that. Uh, you kind of, I know you had to mix in a couple of receivers that you're maybe trying to look at uh, with the ones to give them a better chance. But when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, like let's see what's going on here. I have no issues with this at all. Um, and uh, I, I kind of feel like the vibes are still good. I feel like Nick Arbuckle is going to be a good, to, you know, week one. Uh, hopefully, I mean, week two, they have the early buy, so it's good. Yeah. But I want to see Masoli in this offense almost right away. Um, but in terms of receiver, like this is a really deep room where uh, we're starting to see a lot of guys kind of come into their own, but we're starting to see the young guys as well push some of these veterans for spots, and I'm loving it. And yeah, I, you know, being down on the sidelines, I'm the sideline reporter for TSN 1200 games. Uh, I get to see a lot of the vibes. I get to see a lot of the people. I get to kind of feel the energy on the sideline. It was different last game. Maybe it was because there was 84 guys down there, and it was a, <laughs> a gong show. It's always busy and crazy in the preseason, but um, the, a lot of the energy I noticed was guys like Savon Scarver. There was receiver uh he he did a bit of kick returning as well he was on the practice squad last year mm-hmm. uh, i interviewed him after the game but he's a guy that just showed up and he's battling for a spot and a guy like Quan bray um you know he's you know been a veteran kind of in this league he's been around for a couple of years with montreal uh you know a, a big very productive receiver in his career uh, well he's on the outside kind of looking in right now i feel like and it's because a guy like Savon scarver showed up and he's like you know what i'm gonna do this and his ability to uh, be electric in the kick return game but also showing that he's a big receiver he came up with a huge grab in the first quarter of the game, kind of a statement grab on second down to get the first down with a DB all over him. He made the gra- grab, and I'm like, all right, like this guy is is pretty serious, and he, he went on to have a pretty good game. Um, so Quan Bray is interesting. A guy like C.O.C. Mariner, or another receiver who he played a little bit late last year, but I know the organization is really high on him. There was a lot of hype. He had a huge game in his first game as a red black. And, you know, he's a guy that was, uh, it looked like injured for most of training camp. Didn't even suit up last week. So he's in the, in the lineup uh, for tomorrow night and against Guelph. And it, it's like, he's, uh, he's a number two receiver listed on the depth chart. So um, the receiving game is going to be very, you know, and Braylon Addison's a guy too, that they just brought in from Hamilton. Yeah. He's not even going to be ready till around July. I spoke with him at the game the other night. He says he's trying to get back. He's already rehabbing. He's doing a lot. He's enjoying Ottawa. And it's like, all right, these guys already on top of guys like Devontae Dedman as a returner, but I believe he's going to get a lot more looks. But Jalen Acklin, already really good out there. Yeah. Nate Bahar, already really good out there. So they have a very good core, but depth at receiver has been very evident so far at camp. And uh, I guess I'll take a breath here and let you ask me another question <laughs> or bring up another point or even just touch on here because uh, the offensive line is another one I can go into as well. Well, by all means, because that was one of the big you know, points of emphasis through the off season. And again, at the draft, um, the offensive line was a, a place that most of us had taken a look and said, that's a major improvement. And when you have a quarterback like Jeremiah Masoli coming off uh, the injury that he did on the dirty type of play that he, that he suffered that injury on, that's got to be big, not just for him physically, but for a, a, a you know, for peace of mind to know I'm standing in behind an offensive line that is going to have my back, that is going to take care of me, is going to be very capable. Um, I, I think that could be huge for this team, man. What have you seen out of the offensive line at this point? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been awesome. Like they are big. That's one thing for sure. Yeah. Um, Dino Boyd is playing a left tackle. They went out and brought in uh, Deja Hitley, who's supposed to be their left guard. Uh, Hogan Sedon at center and Jacob Ruby, the three Canadians in the middle. Their interior line is awesome. And right now, Zach Pelios is playing the right tackle. Um, and, you know, another Canadian in that spot. Uh, I think yeah, he is going to win that job. He's getting pushed by a couple other guys in Justice Powers and centers out there. But I do believe that uh, it is a, a very good offensive line. And Hunter Stewart, who played Every game pretty much last year, I thought offensive line, uh, he's, you know, fighting for a spot at yeah. center as a Canadian tonight or not tonight, sorry, in their game against Montreal uh, Toronto Guelph. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's going to be like, he's a guy fighting for a spot. And it's like, you think about that. He was a starting guy on that offensive line every game last year, basically. Yeah. And now he's a guy fighting it's for a spot. It's a sign so, of the turnover, right? The upgrades are hoping to make it's life or death to make that spot now. 
Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens there. But I do believe the depth on the offensive line, like you're going to see a couple guys uh, playing left tackle. I brought up Powers. He's going to be playing left tackle. Sanders is going to be playing left guard as well. Have, uh, we so seen, what, have you seen much of the big boy there, Dante Bull? I'm not – I understand he's a first-round pick this year. They wouldn't be looking for him to make much of an impact. Because he's been around. Expected to come in very soon. Uh, I have seen him walking around. Um, he is a monster. That is Dante a big, Bull scary is, man. <laughs> yeah, he is a big dude. Uh, but but I believe he's going to be a couple of weeks away from okay. really getting some of that, those reps and, and looking at it and uh, everything I've, I've heard so far is everything seems to be on plan, but um, yeah, I've seen him and he is massive. And uh, <laughs> as I've already brought up that this, the one thing I've noticed from these guys like Desjardins and Dino boy, like these guys are big, man. It's a big offensive line. It's just, it's, I've noticed that for sure. Uh, so in a general sense, based on, you know, the off season that the red blacks had, what you're seeing so far, you know, are you expecting this team to be better, significantly better? Are we gonna are we gonna get a home win? Because that'd be pretty cool. Uh, what you know, just in a general sense, you know, what is your feeling on this team? How you know what what are you expecting out of them this year? Yeah, personally, I, I think that this is going to be a better team in general. I think that they've uh, they've added some good pieces throughout the off season. Um, their their DBs as well, like their two biggest positions have been DB and wide receiver that I've noticed big time. But their defensive line has been really good as well, and they're they're good. I feel like this team is very well rounded, but it's a very much an unknown. It's mm-hmm. going to be very interesting to see when Jeremiah Masoli steps in at quarterback. I have them around you know an eight to nine win team, okay. but I wouldn't be surprised to see them get to 10 to 11 wins. So I, I, I'm kind of in this, I could put them I'd between like eight and 11 yeah, right yeah, now. Okay. And I, I do believe they're going to win a home game. They would have won <laughs> last week. Uh, you know, they, they, you're subbing in your last minute guys. Yeah. It was a terrible loss to have your former global kicker and Jose Maltos have to kick it at the last minute. But I believe they were up 12 with like a minute something left in the game. So just a tough go in that sense. And it's preseason, but it was kind of just like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you got to be kidding yeah. me right now. Like fans are just like, you, come on. So I do believe though that this, team like I said I'll, I'll kind of go in the middle I, I say that they'll be a nine win team I think that they could win the east I think the east is a bit of a gong show this year yeah. I'm not really sold on Toronto even though they won last year so mm-hmm. I do kind of want to I, I don't want to say I'm favoriting Ottawa but being around the team and seeing a difference out there in terms of depth and leadership and just guys that have are kind of coming in with a different vibe I think that this team will be around a nine win team yeah and, and like the East has been pretty mediocre for a while now, right? Yeah. And it doesn't look like a whole lot has changed on that front. So, you know, if you can get yourself to seven, eight, nine, ten, well, you, you know, you're going to be in the mix, right? And this team playing as poorly as it did last year was still in the mix until like August or, or you know, September going, well, if we won the next three, you know, you'd have that last playoff spot. And you're, that should not be the case with a, a team that bad, but it, the division was that bad. So... So we'll see, man. I'm ready for some football. I'm ready for uh, the CFL to get up and going. Um, You know, I always find myself excited this time of year. Once camps are up and running, you start seeing all the social media content and the reports on who's doing what. Uh, I'm fired up, man. I'm ready for some CFL football. Yeah, and just such fun vibes. Even though Friday was a preseason game, it was nice to get out to TD Place again. It was a beautiful night. Uh, it was it was nice. It was uh, I wouldn't say it was packed, but it was pretty busy there. But just the, the vibes and the, and the feel around them, uh, you know, when you get around Lansdowne, yeah, and just everything in kind of the glee, buzz, you know. right? There's, yeah, there's just a, a different a buzz. The yeah. bars are packed. Like you can't get a spot anywhere in craft, and it's like everything's busy and packed after the games. And it's just it's just a good night. It's a good Friday night. I love Friday night football at TD Place. It's awesome. I can get a spot at Kraft. There's a TCA table at Kraft. That's <laughs> right. Eh? I was going to say, you got the easy in. That's it, man. So uh, uh, I think that's about it for this one, man. We'll uh, we'll circle back to you here, not too distant future, because there's some interesting fight stuff that we need to get to here down the road as well. I, I will ask can you we before. we complain we... about how terrible it has been the last few cards? It's, yeah. And honestly. <laughs> I'm missing the, I need a UFC fix in here. Seriously. Man. And the next one next weekend doesn't look all that exciting either. But I will mm-hmm. ask you. I guess just quickly before we wrap, because uh, we talked about it uh, a few months ago when you were on, um, the first episode of this season of The Ultimate Fighter went on mm-hmm. Tuesday, and we talked about this being an opportunity to use Conor McGregor as one of the coaches. Could he breathe some life back into that series? Does he have enough star power left to float that series? Uh, it's him and Michael Chandler as the coaches. Did you watch episode one? I'll be honest with you. I saw a couple tweets, you know, the day or two leading up to it, reminding me that it was on. 
And I sort of thought Connor might be enough to get me to tune in. And when it came that night, I was just like, ah, I don't really care. And that doesn't mean I won't circle back or watch it, you know, but thus far, um, yeah, no, Connor wasn't enough to hook me. Did you catch episode one? I did. Yeah. And was it any good? Because Connor is, uh, I've always, uh, Connor's kind of like the Tiger Woods or something like not the exact same extent, but uh, I always want to see when Connor is going to do something, but Connor's mainly trying yeah, and I want to see how serious he really is about fighting again, because uh, that's the thing. Like, as much as we're waiting to see, usually fighter, the Ultimate Fighter coaches are supposed to fight. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no scheduled fight for these two guys to fight anytime Honestly, soon. Honestly, yeah. I haven't even heard if McGregor's even entered USADA yet, so we don't even know if this fight is going to happen in this calendar year or not. So I'm kind of interested to see that. Yeah, it's and, normally you know, supposed to be six months, right, in the pool? Yeah, and that's the thing. And you have to be able to test negative, I think, twice before you're even, right. while you're so in the pool. for people who don't file or don't follow fights, you have to, when you're not fighting, when you're off, if you think you're retired or whatever the hell you're doing, you don't have to report to the drug companies. Or, not drug companies, I've said that terribly, but the steroid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you don't have to do any of that. If you want to fight, you have to have been in the testing pool for six months. So With two negative tests. Yeah. And normally it gets pretty well reported when someone has re-entered the pool and there's no indication at all that Conor McGregor has re-entered the testing pool. And so if he did it tomorrow, the earliest we're talking is what, July, August, September, October, December? Like, yeah, that's, that's what not, I mean. Yeah. And that's supposed to be how you end these ultimate fighter series is like the two guys who are going to you know, finish the series strong, they're going to fight and the two coaches are going to fight and that's your big card. And this is, to me, pretty useless if Connor isn't going to fight at the end of it. Like, that's half the appeal. Well, and that's where I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, I want to get hyped about this season. I, I don't love the format either. They've done it like kind of veterans versus prospects. So yes. guys that have been in the UFC before, like one uh, Brad Katona, like he was a Canadian fighter, won the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, but then he had his, one of his last fights, I believe, was in Ottawa uh, when uh, I was there covering it at the time. Um, and that was 2019. And then he kind of just disappeared. Like, right. And he was undefeated at the time too. But he was just a very kind of a boring fighter. But they're doing that versus guys that are young and upcoming guys and it was an interesting format but um in terms of what it's been the ultimate fighter is not the show it once was which was exciting and fun on spike tv bleeps were happening fights were happening like things were going on now that it's on tsn and it's kind of controlled by the ufc it's very corny there's so much dana in it that i don't need to have uh but then like what really disappoints too right in the background so we're learning about the guys kids and their families you know like a little bit of that is fine but it's a bit much now no, I, I like it in a yeah, sense, cause okay. I, but I like no, it more it's when it's me. not the veterans versus whatever. Yes. I like it because I like learning about these fighters, right? You you kind of know where they come from. One of my favorite fighters in the Ultimate Fighter of the season I watched two seasons ago is Brian Battle, and I think he's done a great job. But his story, you learn a bit about him and mm-hmm. his wife, and then you see him coming to the UFC, and he's got some crazy knockouts. It's like this guy was kind of boring when he fought on the Ultimate Fighter. He ended up winning, but he like he wasn't super exciting. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm down with this. Like This guy's <laughs> crazy, and he's been good. So it's like I kind of love that tie, but my big biggest thing was, you know, the guy on Connor's team goes into for his weigh-in day, official weigh-in day. Connor's not even there. And Michael Chandler takes a jab out. He's like, well, great. Your coach isn't even here on the day of weigh-ins. And it's just like, you know what? That right off the bat, episode one, I'm like, okay, cool. All right, dude. Like, this guy doesn't take. He's doesn't not care. fully engaged in this. He's not even there to fully coach his guy. So I'm like, that kind of disappointed me a lot. But it's also like I've kind of known that Connor's been this way for the last couple of years. Yeah. I don't believe he's very serious in fighting anymore. I think he lives off his name in the past more than he does any of the future. Yep. I don't believe. Uh, I I believe he he uh, retired for a reason. And it wants to come back for a reason. And I don't want to say he's absolutely been, you know, juicing up, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to lean to seeing his, his body and everything. And mm-hmm. when he's fighting, like, like he is just an absolutely different fighter than when you looked at the guy a couple of years ago, <laughs> he got massive, he's suddenly a middleweight or a- <laughs> yeah, he's huge. And I'm like, this guy, it's just, and whatever, maybe he did really work and grind. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt until I a hundred percent know, but it something doesn't pass the smell test yeah, here. Yeah. And the fact that he's not in USADA yet. And the fact, like I said, that he's just kind of lingering around, like he was there and he was part of the episode, but it really bothered me to see that he wasn't there for, you know, the, the official weigh in, right. The face off. And, yeah. you know, you got Michael Chandler there and you got like Connor's coaches kind of chirping in and like, you know, kind of just like trying to give him some support, but it's like, you know, you kind of leave your guy down. And it turned out that Connor's guy got knocked out basically <laughs> right away. 
<laughs> so it didn't even end up very, uh, very good. It yeah. wasn't very fun. Um, it, it's a different, I I'm down to watch it cause I love fighting and the yeah. UFC and learning about these guys and seeing the trails and you know how they like their journeys to the UFC and all that stuff, but it is completely different. So it's not like, Oh man, I can't miss this episode, but more or less I want to know who's fighting, who's who are the guys to watch what's going on. So, right. um, I was uh, disappointed though with Connor not being there and it kind of, I hope it, it changes throughout the rest of the season. Um, but I don't know, man, the first episode, you're already not showing up to one of your guys weigh-ins and it's just like, all right, cool. And then like the big thing too, is he wrote like, uh, the day of the fight. It's like, they have the, they show the fighters walking in and they're, they're talking about it and they're excited. Then it's like, all right, pause. And it's like, here comes this big Lamborghini rolling in and, oh, here comes Connor with the his star. fancy suit and yeah. he's dressed to the nines. And it's like, all right, dude, like this is so corny. Big like I said, you got Dana White in there talking yeah. big time, super excited about these fighters. And it's like, all right, Dana, just listen, just enough out of you, enough <laughs> out of Connor. Like if Connor's not really down to fight, I don't really care to hear from him either right now so i was just that was my disappointment but i'm down to watch it uh, it is a, a good time right now because succession and barry yeah. and i believe yellow jackets is right there they all just ended Everybody's so my weekend of finishing up. things yeah. out yeah it's a good summer to watch the ultimate fighter all right see i like that i i think that's legit i, I like i said i haven't watched it i haven't decided i'm not watching it or anything like that i just had other things going on that that caught my attention a little more and when I saw the tweets and the reviews and stuff the next day, it all said similar to what you're saying, you know, too much Dana, um, probably not enough Connor and a, a few other people sort of mimicking, not mimicking, <laughs> but feeling what I was feeling in that sometimes there's a little, a little light on the fighting and a little heavy on the family stuff, the background stuff. But as you've mm-hmm. correctly pointed out, that is part of the appeal, right? It's a reality show. You are... You, you can't get people to care about these characters over the course of a full season if you don't tell people a little about them. So it's a tough balance to strike, but uh, we'll see, man. I, I may circle back to it. We'll uh, we'll see kind of how things I'll shake. I'll let you know if it gets spicy and you need to tune in. By all that? means, man. I appreciate that. I got yeah. your number. All right. So uh, that's a good place to wrap this one up. Bunda, I appreciate you doing this as always, man. Bring the takes. We can always count on you there. Oh man, thank you for having me on once again. I'm coming back to town. We need to get you in. We need to talk some fights. We need to have some in-person beers. So eh, maybe let's see you get in the water first and then we'll see if you can leave oh, that place. Yeah. I don't know if my bag's ready to hit the, the May. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, it's, it's hot weather. This lake is still pretty cold. So, uh, we'll see. Um, as always, you can give Bunda a follow on social media at SteveBunda91. We'll make sure that is linked in the show notes. We are on social media at Tall Can Audio, and uh, hope you'll subscribe wherever you're hearing us right now. Stick around. We got more awesome Red Blacks content, uh, potentially a pretty big guest coming up. You should stick around to hear more about that. If you want to circle back, Nick Ashbourne, contributor at Sportsnet and Yahoo, had all kinds of interesting stuff on the Blue Jays back on episode 1122. All of that is available at TallCanAudio.com or wherever you're hearing us right now. For Steve Bunda, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?